Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legacy Cafe podcast with your host, Rob Lucy. Rob is the author of the book, How Will You Be Remembered? A Guide for Creating and Enjoying Your Legacies Now. So grab yourself a cup of coffee and find yourself a seat in the Legacy Cafe. Here's Rob. Thanks, Kathy, and welcome, everyone, to the Legacy Cafe. I'm Rob Lucy. You know, my wife and I are kind of lucky. We've seen a whole bunch of the world and uh, a, a story. I remember sitting in some of the cathedrals in Europe and some of the, the fortresses in South America and looking at them and thinking, how long did it take to build these things? And how did they build these things? For instance, Notre Dame de Paris, in my best French, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris took 182 years to build. The Domo in Florence, Italy, took, I think, more than 140 years. And we were in uh, Egypt just a few years ago, and I looked at Ramses II's Abu Simbel, and I wondered how long it took him to build that for his, his wife, Nefertari. Just imagine if you were an architect, oh, say, in the 1400s, and the village comes to you and says, hey, we want you to build a cathedral. Well, you, the architects, the stonemasons, the artisans, would begin construction of this soaring, cavernous structure, but you'd never see the final building. These people went ahead and began what resulted in the buildings we see today. And it was all done with the knowledge that they wouldn't see the final product. That, I guess, is called cathedral thinking. And that's what we're going to hear about today. From a man named Rick Antonson, who is a... I would say a global leader in tourism and hospitality. He's the former CEO and president of Tourism Vancouver, and he was at the helm of that organization when they were successful in bringing in the 2010 Winter Olympic and Paralympic Games to Vancouver, that stunning city on the coast of British Columbia. He's been the chair and deputy chair of international travel organizations. And after 21 years, though, Rick left Tourism Vancouver in the summer of 2014 to become an author and a scriptwriter, and he's now got six books out. But Rick is firstly and foremost right for this, our conversation. He's the originator of what is called cathedral thinking. And uh, he lives in Frankfurt where we're going to talk to him. Rick, guten Abend. Thank you very much for having me as a part of this conversation. Oh, well, it's a a neat concept. So first, let's start with a definition. What is cathedral thinking? Well, I like the way you explained it. and, And perhaps another way to say it is if you were working with the architect you just identified, but your job was to be the stonemason, if that was your training, your craft, then as you lay the foundation blocks or the the, the cornerstones, you too would be embarking on your task, knowing that you would not be alive when what you were starting got completed. Perhaps your grandson or the granddaughter of a, a neighbor, a, a colleague, would be working on the cathedral a couple of generations down the road when the, 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 the spire was going in place or the upper reaches of stonework and woodwork were, were being constructed. So you would see every day what you did as having a long-term impact. In fact, many of the beneficiaries of your work as a stonemason or as the architect designing the cathedral would not yet be born when you were doing your preliminary work. So a cathedral thinker becomes one who is keeping the living generation tethered to the future and doing so by seeing their work as having long-term impact. 
He said, keep the current generation tethered to the future. That is that which means keep your eye on the ball way out there. Is that what you mean? That would be a very good way to say it. It's important that we don't do a task, whatever it is. It could be writing a memoir. It could be constructing a building. It could be land conservation. That when we do it, we get to enjoy it now in our moment, but we also know that generations hence, it will be there for those that want to enjoy it at that point. Let's go from those massive cathedrals and edifices to contemporary. So how does cathedral thinking applied, you know, outside of the building of uh, the construction of cathedrals? How do we apply it? Well, when I first came across the term, uh, because while I, I wasn't involved in creating it, I'm now somewhat of an apostle for the notion of cathedral thinking. I encountered it through an American entrepreneur who came out of the natural resource business, they, they taking things from the earth and making them into fuels. And yet, when he talked about cathedral thinking, it was in the early days of wind power or the technology behind solar energy because he saw the work that was necessary today so that progress was made in 10 years or in 15 years, yet the whole financial viability of that entire industry was perhaps 30 or 40 years away. So that is a vivid example in my mind. Can we apply cathedral thinking in our lives now from our personal lives to stories, to education, to the environment? I mean, is, is cathedral thinking possible to lay over all those areas of our lives? I think it's more relevant in the longer term, but you can redefine the longer term. So if one is embarking on some studies, you mentioned education, and one is going into the first year of what could be a four or a five-year learning experience, they see the end game of what they are doing, yet they know that they can't get to year five or year four without getting to year three, without working back and starting somewhere in year one. And I think that that principle of Seeing what you do today extended down the road is extremely meaningful. It happens in communities where a group may be getting together and in the short term want a cleanup project for the neighborhood park, knowing that if they do it right there, that could expand to other neighborhoods, which could expand to a citywide cleanup. And if they do it right in the first years, that could be something 20, 30 years later is still an annual cleanup program. So it's doing today things that are intrinsically important for the long term, but they're also alive with you in the moment. They really matter now, and they can be enjoyed now and give satisfaction now. Rick, how does cathedral thinking then fit into legacy? And as you know, in, in my book, I'm saying legacy connects us to one another. It enhances our lives. It uses our signature strengths, and we can enjoy those legacies for 20, 30, 40 years. How does cathedral thinking fit in there? One of the things I love about your book is that it, it makes what you're doing today a legacy or have the potential to a legacy if you let your mind go there. As a cathedral thinker, you can have a cathedral thought that is big and ambitious, world peace, or you can have a cathedral thought that transports what you're doing and makes it relevant 20 years down the road or 30 years down the road. Are we naturally cathedral thinkers, or do we have to really work at this? I'd suggest we have to work at being cathedral thinkers because it's easy to be wrapped up in our own presence, our own issues, our own needs, whether that's the next meal, which we no longer have to hunt and gather to, to bring in, but we're aware of it, and we have 
an appointment in the evening or we're going to theater. So it's easy to think short term. If one feels that it's wise to be a cathedral thinker and wise to wonder, how am I doing something today that is going to benefit others in the future? I think that that's a bit of a shift in a mindset. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm wondering about that if there was something that would distinguish cathedral thinking from people might say, well, that's just long-term thinking. What would distinguish cathedral thinking from, quote, long-term thinking then? For example, if someone is talking about land conservation, they could be working with a local group to establish a piece of land or jointly acquire a piece of land to protect it from development they would be able to enjoy that today. They would be able to perhaps with their children enjoy it today. And yet they would know that it's going to be there for the long term. If one is considering the need for pure water or for good water or for healthy water, it may mean that you look at the the, uh, use of certain facilities that are either developed or need to be developed. And while that would bring you um, healthful benefits in the short term and be able to have them as part of your contemporary existence, you know that by doing that right, it also has longer-term ramifications. So I think it's in part knowing that what you are doing in the moment could, if you think about it, have longer-term ramifications, but neither is exclusive of the other. You know that old phrase, and I don't know who said it, but he who plants the tree seldom enjoys its shade. So it seems that cathedral thinking is really is planting the tree and imagining the shade that it will happen a time in the future. I, you know, that's a lovely way to say it. There's also a nice phrase that, um, that comes up in Japanese villages, and it's, it's this, that when you take a drink of water, stop a moment to thank those who dug the well. Mm-hmm. So it is in part realizing that, well, you... Rob could be a cathedral thinker and look at the long-term ramification of some of your actions today. It's also being aware that many things that you enjoy today are only here because other people 10 years, 30 years, more ago decided that they would put them in place. Rick, I mean, I understand because of the book Legacy. I think I know what that means, what the value is of it and uh, the joy it can bring me. What mindset do I need as I walk out the door today to become more of a cathedral thinker that will lead to some fabulous legacies way down the line? But what do I need to, how do I need to look at the world? I think part of the answer is that much of what you're doing today, without even thinking about it, does have long-term implications. So, a first step toward being a cathedral thinker could well be having a brilliant idea that you know is going to take generations to come about. But the other, applicable to what you've just asked, is to actually look at what you're doing today. Are you working on another book project? Are you going to be part of a theater performance that is a new play that has the potential to have legs that could last for a long time and bring enjoyment down the road? What is it that you're already doing that you think of very short-term? Because we're conditioned to think of short-term needs and desires and wants. Mm -hmm. But look at those very same ambitions and think of their long-term ramifications. That doesn't apply to mowing the lawn, but it does apply to helping someone build a retaining wall that is going to last for 10, 20, 30 years. I'm going to put you on the spot. What in 180 years will people say, boy, that 
Mr. Antonson was a cathedral thinker. Look at this. What are they looking at? You know, we can all evaporate and probably deserve <laughs> to evaporate without putting importance on ourselves, but we can share in views. And I would tell you a view that, that I share in that came from a, uh, an individual, Lou Demore, who's, who's based in the United States, who is the founder of the um, Institute for um, Peace Through Tourism. And I've taken some of his views and could repurpose them with the reminder that you know, there are 214 nations that call this tiny planet their home. Each of us is but one step or two from someone in every one of those countries. They may be family, they could be a friend, or they could be a, a fellow traveler we sit next to in a cafe when we're out and about. Tourism, more than any other industry, takes down the barriers to understanding. It's about bringing people together to share ideas and learn from one another and to celebrate our differences. In that way, tourism is a vital force for peace. And when I look at the work that, that Lou Demore has done, I'm uh, emboldened to pick up some of his phrasing and his cathedral thinking. It behooves each of us to think of what we can do individually or collectively to ensure that one day every leader in the world shares in our belief that safe passage and the right to assemble are fundamental freedoms for all people. So in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and everyone is living on a peaceful, joyful world, you're hoping that the cathedral thinking of folks like you in the tourism and travel world kind of got us there. Well, I would think that it could be, if not pivotal, could be foundational to us getting there. But I'm, I'm quick to add that while I pose that as a cathedral thought, today it is a cathedral thought shared by many, and there are literally millions of people who have their fingerprints on that particular cathedral thought. And they are, by and large, people who have traveled more than 50 miles from their own home and spent a night or two elsewhere and realized that the people down the road or across the ocean in another country with a different language, different culture, different religion, have the same basic needs and wants. I spent time in North Korea and our custodians, I was with my two sons and three of us, three custodians, what they wanted was what we want, and that's a roof over the head, safety, food, and a education for the kids, and, and a soccer patch for the kids to get recreation. Well, that's good to hear, especially about North Korea, because that's yeah. not the, what's in the news these days. It is not, but that's because focus tends to be on leaders, which takes me back to the cathedral thought, that whether it's a generation down the road or many generations down the road, woe that they all accepted that safe passage and, and the right to assemble were fundamental freedoms. And this very conversation we're having would not be allowed in many countries today. The concept is cathedral thinking, and our guest is Rick Antonson. Rick, you're all also an author, and I've just scanned through some of the books you've written, one on to Timbuktu for a haircut. I think my father said that to me once. I'm sending you to Timbuktu. You've written about Noah's Ark, and you've got a, a book out on Route 66, which I think is turning into a play, too. So you've... Um, You've kind of left the tourism and travel world and have become a, a well-known author. Well, thank you for mentioning those. They've been delightful to research and work on, and of course the travels related to them have been inspiring. And I, I do think that that's how we often get our motivation, discover mm -hmm. memories, 
and want to share those memories. And I think that that comes back to any individual uh, listening in on our conversation, knowing that when they have a cup of coffee later on today or tomorrow morning and have a glass of wine and they start thinking about cathedral thinking, that they, they realize they have a lot of memories to share. And many of those come from encounters that happen with travel and often those are about strangeness and and I've benefited from that whether it's been climbing Mount Ararat or traveling in uh, Iraq or Iran or it's been on the back roads of Route 66 throughout the U.S. Mm -hmm. Fascinating stuff. You can learn more about cathedral thinking by going to legacycafe.org forward slash cathedral and there we'll have links to Rick's book and, um, and of course, a link to Cathedral Thinking. So that's LegacyCafe.org forward slash Cathedral. Rick Antonson is the apostle of Cathedral Thinking. Thank you very much, Rick. And to all of you who joined us, head to LegacyCafe.org forward slash Cathedral to get links to uh, Rick's sites and information on his books. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Lucy. We'll be back again soon on The Legacy Cafe. Thanks for listening to The Legacy Cafe podcast. We have lots of great conversations coming your way. And by the way, if you want us to send you reminders that a new podcast is ready for you, go to LegacyCafe.org to subscribe. That's LegacyCafe.org. Have a great day. And remember, the coffee and conversations are always hot at the Legacy Cafe. Legacy Cafe.